and welcome episode 16 of uh, the Reef Lords Pod Academy and uh, this time it's an interesting one in fact uh, I believe we're going to be uh, chatting and and answering some questions that uh, we actually got via the, the social media uh, what are we talking about today with my special guest Dory Lou we're talking about the effects of marital status on property purchases um, and it is it's a fascinating one it's one of those that I haven't even thought about so welcome Dora Morning, Dave. Thanks for having me again. It's wonderful. So, you know, this this is fantastic. And the fact that people are interacting uh, with the podcast and asking questions, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now, you know, every couple wants to have their own little love nest. Um, some people choose to rent, some people choose to buy. So you said there was a question that, that came in about this. So, so talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it's a very thought-provoking question, actually, from one of our customers. Uh, her name was Masipa, uh, Chaba, Masi Chaba, excuse me. Um, so if you're listening, this episode is designated to you, actually. So, um, look, she was asking us, what if uh, they, they are in a relationship, they're not married, but want to purchase a property together? Um, and why I say it's thought-provoking is because we really come across too often in practice, you know, where people are purchasing property together and later on they get married, but before the property was registered. So it's a lot of um, uh, admin work in between, and you're going to really think on the legal consequences as well as financial consequences actually um, you know to getting to a property ownership together with your partner before you marry and how it's going to actually affect your ownership after you get married and how you are married is affecting you know the the ownership um, rights so yeah and I wow. think for listeners who you know, are in committed relationship and I want to purchase a property, this episode is definitely made for you. Okay, so now I know of some people um, that, that are in what they call committed relationships, for example, and they, they, they're not yet married or they're not planning on getting married. Um, but surely, you know, this is like a long-term commitment here, one way or another, isn't it? Because a bond is like, what, yeah. 20, to, 20 to 30 years? You must be quite sure. Look, can you, can you, uh, it, like you said, thought provoking? Talk to me about what you can do. Can you apply for a bond like jointly then? Yeah. So um, the question that Masichaba was asking us um, whether they can purchase a property together before they are married, the answer is definitely you can. Uh, you can certainly purchase property together with your partner before you get married, right? It is a very long-term commitment, like you said, Dave, um, roughly 20 to 30 years, depending on your age. All right. So it is a very long-term commitment. And then you've got to be very mentally and financially ready for that. Okay. So how you do that uh, is you can purchase a pro property subject to a joint bond, all right? basically a 50-50 split between you and your partner for the responsibility of the of the bond installment all right so 
you you can have your bond originators to help you go through the process, or you can directly apply with the banks yourself. Um, but in my opinion, you know, bond originator, you do one set of paperwork and then you can submit to many banks, right? So that's probably a, a an easier route. Um, and based on yours and your partner's affordability and liability and disability, disposable income, they will then um, uh, grant you a bond quotation. Okay, so obviously, you know, this episode is not just to tell you how to apply for home loan. Um, if you want more tips on the home loan application, you can refer back to our fourth episode, which is more focused on the tips of a home loan application. Okay. But this episode is really to tell you, you know, how your marital status is going to affect your ownership rights in property. Okay. One thing I always smile about when people talk about it, and they talk about it a lot, is is this concept of disposable income. I don't want to dispose of any of my income, really. But anyway, it's not something I can throw away. But uh, it's just one of those funny terms. So listen, Dora, why, why is marital status so important when purchasing a property? Uh, I mean... Yeah, it, it just doesn't mm. make sense because I know people, like I said, some people don't even don't even declare whether they're not married or are married or whatever. Can we get into some of that? Why is it important? Mm. Yeah, like I, like I said, we come too often across this type of negligence in terms of declaring their marital status. And um, because the marital status actually determines, you know, how you are um, uh, legally married or bonded in a in a relationship and how it's actually going to affect you in your in in your property ownership and it has a direct impact on your legal ownership rights to the property okay so in um, many cases purchasers actually don't declare their marital status to their attorneys before property gets registered now deeds office um, you know where uh, where the properties are getting registered uh, or the paperwork of uh, property registration are handled the deeds office actually rejects the registration once they pick up that you're actually married but you declare that you were not married at the time of entry into this uh, sales agreement with uh, with your seller. Okay, so if you don't declare that you are married, and these office picks that up, they're going to reject the registration of the property. What that means is that this is going to result in significant delay in time. Okay, for your property to get registered and the costs of this complex process, okay? The costs will involve redrafting of your documents, resubmitting of your documents, and all the conveyancing costs in between, the deeds office fees, etc. So don't make that mistake. You know, be very, very transparent of your marital status with your attorneys, okay? At the time of signing the purchase agreement, of your property at the time of signing your um, your registration documents with your attorneys, always, always update them, okay, that you are now married or you are now divorced or whatever the case might be, you know, any changes of your marital status should be communicated 
upfront with your attorneys. Okay, so and your banks, you know, don't uh, don't undermine that. Uh, don't undermine banks' process in the property registration um, journey. Okay, okay so, so, so not sorry. Any, yeah. Sorry, Dora. Just to to make it easier for me to understand. So, if I am engaged, for example, to be married, we haven't mm -hmm. set a date, but we decide we want to buy a house. We buy the house and then we get so excited and we get married. Um, what we are required to do is to, to just keep everybody updated because it can get very expensive then. So if anything changes, Correct. like you said, you get married in that space of time or whatever, let the people know. Absolutely. So um, in the case of uh, Masichaba, if you are signing the purchase agreement with your seller, at the time that you are not married, but a month down the line or two months down the line, you decide to get married and uh, you, you, you get registered at the home affairs, you go through all the ceremonies, and now that you're actually married. So your marital status at that point in time is contradictory to how you signed your offer to purchase or how you applied for the bond. What you need to do then is to update your attorneys and the banks that you are now married, right? Then you're going to go through the whole process of signing new paperwork and all that to amend bond instructions as well uh, um, at the banks so that at the time of registering your property, these offers would be, you know, picking up the same status as you declared at the time of you, uh, uh, at the time of you signing the documents. Okay. All right. Now that that's all fairly easy, but now there's different marital statuses or different ways of getting married. And and does that have an effect on, on property ownership? Absolutely. So different marital statuses actually, or how you are married, um, dictates, you know, how the property ownership is shared between you and your partner. So for um well. Actually, we're going to focus on uh, three type of uh, marriage and, uh, you know, how you are actually married and how they impact your property ownership. The first one we're going to speak about is the marriage in community of property. In short, it's in married in COP. All right. The second uh, type of marital uh, marriage is married out of community of property. Okay, in short, it's married out of COP. The third one we're going to touch base on is um, the customary marriage. Okay, which we will touch base um, later. Now, if um, if you allow me to jump right in, the the moment you are married in community of property, the assets and liabilities are automatically splitted 50-50 between you and your spouse. Okay, so you're taking um, 50% of your spouse's assets and liability. At the same time, your spouse is taking 50% of your assets and liability at the same time. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know what? When, so now, when, I was, when I was looking at this earlier on, um, I was thinking to myself, but uh, – you know, it, 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 it's for some people, I think uh, if you get uh, married in community of property, that's, that could be a double-edged sword. It could be good and it could be bad. Mm. Um, and yeah. if you get uh, married out of community of property, that's a different thing now. So, so 
if I got married, me, David, got married to my beautiful fiance Helena, uh-huh. and we got married in community of property, I'd automatically have half of the half of the the, the property that 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 is owned, but I also have half of the liabilities. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah. So, um, yeah, for example, you know, in uh, Masichaba's case, if she decides to um, apply a bond prior to them getting married on the 50-50 split um, of the bond installment, after they get married in community of property, the split of the bond will stay the same. Okay. Um, So then what happens if you get married out of community of property? Now, if you're married out of community of property, obviously your spouse will not share any of your assets or liabilities. Okay, and uh, but but then you need to enter an agreement called antinuptial contract. So that antinuptial contract will record what has been uh, acquired or what liabilities have been acquired or what assets have been acquired prior to your marriage. And it will have an effect going forward into your marriage that your partner will not entitle to any of your assets or liabilities. Okay, so that antinuptial contract must be um, must be in place three months before the registration of the property, if that is what you decide to do. And um, this this actually very very often applies to persons who have already existing you know properties in place, who have um, ownership of businesses, who have children from their previous marriage okay so this is quite common um, for people in 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 those situations to sign anti-nuptial contract okay that makes a lot of sense i can see a couple of those in my future um but now (laughs) where it becomes i think interesting and challenging and and this is particularly an african and a south african thing um is this the, the 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 concept of customary uh, marriage. So according to whatever your culture is, a customary marriage there, and then basically you 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 kind of declare it to the, the the tribal chief or whatever the case may be. But you don't have to register anywhere. This must be something that you guys come across. Yeah, we come across so much of um, of that, and in fact, in the in the African culture, people obviously, like you said, get customary uh, married, customarily married, and they not really going through the registration process at home affairs. However, that does not mean uh, that the marriage is invalid. Okay, so your labola or ceremony of customary marriage still validates your marriage legally, even if you haven't really registered uh, at the home affairs, okay, in terms of property ownership. So again, you got to be very transparent with your attorneys and your banks about your marriage, uh, even if you are customarily married. All right. Um, so go through that process with your attorneys and they will determine for you whether you are um, actually 
you know, legally binding to your partner uh, in terms of customary marriage. And usually that is seen as a married in community of property, unless you've got an antinuptial contract in place, but it's very rarely happening for customary marriage in the African culture. Uh, so yeah, if that is the case, you are most likely married in community of property with your partner. But again, the best it. thing... The best thing to do is to be open, be honest, be transparent Absolutely. and ask questions. Don't don't ever think that, you know, oh, this is a silly question because, I mean, you know, it, it has become somewhat of a cliche term, but I still firmly believe in our rainbow nation. Um, yeah. And there's so yeah. many diverse cultures there. Um, there, there. There was something I think uh, that, that you want to mention as well about uh, some other um, kinds of marriages as well, where where they the the the, the law still busy discussing things. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so in South Africa, we've got multicultures, you know, it really has diverse cultures in this country, and uh, um, many. Uh, you know, different belief systems as well, religions, and uh, say, for instance, uh, for Islamic. Muslim or Hindu marriages, um, these are still uh, quite, you know, unfamiliar in terms of the South African law. Okay, so the Law Commission of South Africa is still in the process of uh, drafting legislations around the subject uh, of Islamic, Muslim and Hindu marriages. Okay, so at this moment in time, as of now, a person in uh, married in these belief systems is currently considered as unmarried. Okay, however, you are still uh, entitled to full contractual capacity. Okay, as how the agreement has been signed, you know, for the property or between you and your spouse, etc. So, if you are married uh, in these belief systems, um, consult your attorneys. All right, and how this is how this process is going to apply for you. Yeah, sure. It, it, it is amazing. I mean, as I sit here and I think about it, it's like according to the South African law, not anything else, just the way the law is written. That if you okay. were um, you know, if you follow Islam or you're of the Muslim faith or the Hindu faith, um, you can be married, you can have kids, you can have the whole lot. But you're still considered single and or unmarried. I think that's just strange. I know that, as you said, they're working on it. Now, the important thing, and I don't think we can we can emphasize this enough, is talk to your attorneys. Don't ever shy away. Be honest. Okay. And I think particularly when when purchasing a property, as we said right in the beginning of this episode, it's a long-term commitment. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, apart from these um, common marital status that we've, uh, we've just talked about, um, there are others like, you know, what if you're divorced and now what? And what if you are in the process of getting divorced and you want to purchase a property? Now what? You know, it does add complications into the process. It is already quite a complex process um, but in terms of changing your marital status it actually complicates it more so be the, the way forward you know you don't have to panic uh, you know after hearing this and the way forward is to really consult and be like you said very honest to your to your banks and your attorneys and they will help you along the way 
Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't understand. Can you please explain? I've learned that uh, through, <laughs> through the years. Um, yeah. Okay. So, but if anybody's listening to this uh, particular podcast and they've got some property related questions, maybe some more questions about today's uh, episode, how can they get hold of you guys? So any um, property-related questions, please feel free to drop us an email on Catherine at reflords.co.za, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at reflords.co.za, or simply post on our Facebook and LinkedIn page. We will yeah, get back to you on that. Fantastic. And uh, that Facebook page, uh, look up Reflords Property Development. Dora, thanks so much. This was a fascinating uh, episode and and uh, hopefully uh, our lady who answered the questions, um, Master Chaba, um, has gotten some answers and uh, has got some value out of this. I look forward to chatting to you again in the not too distant future. Thank you, Dave. It was always nice being here with you. Yeah. Thanks. Wonderful stuff. There we go. That was my special guest, Dora Lou, right here on uh, the Reflords Pod Academy. We wrap it up. Uh, once again, just remember um, that uh, you can drop them an email, Catherine at reflords.co.za. Otherwise, look up on Facebook or LinkedIn, Reflords Property Development. Think home, think Reflords. As I said, wraps it up to each and every one of you. Look after yourselves. Take care and thank you for listening. <music>